Crossover Thursday here at the Locked On Bucks podcast. I will be joined by the host of the Locked On Falcons podcast, Aaron Freeman, to talk about this weekend's NFC South divisional matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons, only on the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, Buccaneers fans, to today's Crossover Thursday episode of the Locked on Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. I'm your host, David Harrison, one half of the normal hosting duo here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, find me and my co-host James Yarko on Twitter. James is at jyarko underscore bucks. I am at dharrison82. We are both staff writers for SB Nation covering your Tampa Bay Buccaneers over at bucksnation.com. Find that on Twitter at bucks underscore nation. Then find the show Locked On Bucks at Locked On Bucks. It's crossover Thursday and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are traveling to Atlanta for week 15 to face off for the first time this year against Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons with head coach Raheem Morris, interim head coach, coach Raheem Morris at the helm of the Atlanta Falcons trying to spoil the Buccaneers playoff plans as Raheem put it himself on Wednesday afternoon to the media. Upcoming here in this episode, you're going to hear Aaron ask me a lot of questions about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what to expect from them as they face these, this divisional rival for the first time this season. And then we're going to switch and I'm going to ask Aaron a lot of questions about the Atlanta Falcons, not just about this game though, a little bit about their future ahead of this first matchup. And then we're going to come back in a couple weeks here and Aaron's going to be back on the show to talk about the second of these matchups. I've gone on record predicting that I think the Buccaneers and Falcons are likely to split this series one-to-one, not because I think the Atlanta Falcons are necessarily all that much, all that supremely talented, or at least not from an execution standpoint, just because that's kind of how this NFC South rivalry just tends to go, I think. Let's go ahead and see what Aaron's got to say about this matchup and welcome in the host of the Locked On Falcons podcast, Aaron Freeman, for this Crossover Thursday conversation. So, guys, we are back for another Crossover Thursday. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, at Falcfans on Twitter, and I am joined by my good buddy, David Harrison, of the Locked On Bucks podcast. David, my good friend, how you doing today? Oh, doing good, man. Uh, it's It's been too long since we've talked. I know we did our ultimate divisional crossovers during the offseason, but been waiting waiting all year to get to see these Falcons live in living color and then and then talk to you as well. So, so happy to be doing that. And how have you been? I've been doing great, and I'm looking forward that we're going to have a pretty quick turnaround and, and doing another one of these crossovers. Maybe I'll get the opportunity to talk to James because, again, as you mentioned, it's been a little bit too long since I've had a, a fun conversation with, with James, your co-host at uh, James Yarko on Locked on Bucks. But what's interesting to me, David, looking at this upcoming matchup, and we're certainly going to get into that on today's podcast, but I remember being very vocal roughly six weeks ago that I saw the Bucks as the potential favorite in the NFC, and everything seemed to get derailed for that team in that Saints game that second Saints game, and they kind of gone on a bit of a skid um, facing some of the better teams in recent weeks with the Rams and Chiefs and losing those games. And with a relatively soft stretch of games compared to th- that stretch of games, you know, now that they have two games against the Falcons upcoming, as well as the Lions sandwiched in between, 
what are some of the things that you're hoping to see from this Bucks team that may give you the confidence that they could make a potential run in January and at least vindicate my earlier opinion during the midpoint of the season? You know, I think the last six quarters of the season have been really interesting for the Buccaneers. And you look at the second half against Kansas City Chiefs, they were able to kind of contain the Kansas City Chiefs offense a little bit better uh, than they did in the first half. Obviously, the first half, especially the first quarter, they didn't contain that Chiefs offense at all. Um, so that was a little bit promising. And then I got a chance to talk to Ryan Tracy, uh, the host over there, the, one of the hosts over there at the Locked on Chiefs podcast, and asked him, I said, you know, is this a situation where in the second half of that game, Pat Mahomes and, and Coach Reed came out and just kind of let the foot off the gas a little bit and kind of coasted to the finish line? Or do you think there was actually something to the Buccaneers stifling that offense a little bit? Because when I looked at it, uh, Pat Mahomes still threw the ball for 40% of the Chiefs' offensive snaps in the second half. So to me, it kind of looked like the Chiefs weren't necessarily maybe going for the throat, but they were still definitely coming out there swinging in those in those last two quarters. And Ryan basically confirmed that. He said, this isn't really a team in the Chiefs that takes their foot off the pedal. They don't really look at the third quarter as a period to say, hey, we're just, we've got a good lead. Let's just kind of ride on that and bleed the clock. They don't really do that until you're talking under six minutes left in the fourth quarter if they've got a two-score lead. Then maybe you see them kind of do that kind of thing. But really, when you talk about the totality of the game, the way the Buccaneers were able to come back, you saw them mixing in more run, kind of staying true to the total talent on the team instead of focusing on just Tom Brady and those receiving weapons. And that was what we wanted to see coming out of the bye. And then you look at the Minnesota Vikings game and a 50-50 split. When you take away the kneel downs, 50-50 split right down the right down the play call sheet uh, for run and pass in that game. And it wasn't as pretty as I think they wanted it to be. It wasn't as pretty as Bucks fans certainly wanted it to be. Um, a lot of, you know, kind of call it grumbling for a lack of a better term, despite the win, because they wanted to see a cleaner game, I think, coming out of the bye. And I get that. But it's really their first time we've seen the Buccaneers really come in and dedicate to a, a balanced first half of the game and then stick to it, even though some things weren't going all that well. And at the end of the day, they came away with a two a two score win against a playoff competitor and, and, and it breaks that two game losing streak. So I think all in all, it was it was a positive thing, a positive growth. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing if that sticks, if that balanced offense sticks against the Atlanta Falcons, because if it does, that gives the Buccaneers defense more time on the sideline, make adjustments, rest and recuperate when they do give up scores to figure out how to not give up stacked scores. Now, looking ahead to this weekend's matchup between the Falcons and Bucks, and I know at this late stage in the season, certainly it's an issue for the Falcons, but this late stage in the season, you do have to deal with injuries. Right. I know Jamel Dean has been battling a growing injury for the past month, but I'm curious, you know, are there other some you know, besides Dean, are there other injuries that we should be paying attention to this week as it progresses uh, in order uh, to get geared up for this weekend's matchup? Yeah, Ronald Jones is going to be the big one. Jamel Dean did practice today. I'm not sure just yet to what extent he practiced. I would expect it to have been a limited participant in practice, uh, given that groin injury. But the fact that he's practicing at all this early in the week is a good sign for this Atlanta matchup. And then Ronald Jones uh, fractured his finger uh, early on against the Minnesota Vikings, played the rest of the game with it, which is a positive sign, obviously, but did undergo a minor surgery uh, procedure to get a pin put into it. The way it was described was a pin, you know? So, I mean, and, and that's not something that you can necessarily take to the bank, but if it was one pin compared to like multiples, maybe that Chris Godwin had put in his finger. Uh, when Chris Godwin had, the, had a similar procedure, he did miss the game following that procedure to heal and let his finger kind of mend from that before he came back to action, only missed the one. So there's a little bit of a, of a, of a history there to maybe, maybe think that Ronald Jones might miss this game. Um, if they do, if he does, and you probably are going to get more Leonard Fournette, who is a healthy scratch against Minnesota, expect him to be active. 
LaShawn McCoy was more involved than we've seen in a long time last weekend, so you probably see more of him. Keyshawn Vaughn did get in the game here and there, not much really at all. He might get a little bit more burn if Ronald Jones isn't out there, but Rojo missing this game would really be a big blow to what we saw the Buccaneers do just a week ago. And again, if, you, if you're going to go with a 50-50 split, you've got to be able to rely on that running game. And Leonard Fournette has been good for a couple of big hitters here and there, but really not a lot of consistency, whereas Ronald Jones averaging over four yards per carry uh, throughout the season. And really a lot of his runs are going for that three to five yard range. And then he, every once in a while, he gets a big, a big hitter as well. More to come on today's Crossover Thursday episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Joined by Aaron Freeman of the Locked On Falcons podcast. Find him on Twitter at FalcFans. And guys, every Thursday is Crossover Thursday here at the Locked On Podcast Network. And that is made possible in part by companies like Built Go. And Built Go wants you to be the best you at whatever you do and want to help you break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Built Go every single day. Built Go comes in easy to take one and a half ounce packages so you can put them in your golf bag, your briefcase, whatever kind of bag or carrying mechanism you have for your day-to-day life. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market and it's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and better results. Built Go comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mints. It works by combining collagen protein and energy gel. The collagen protein is fast absorbing so it gets into your system fast and it's easy on your stomach. Loaded with good things like beta alanine, B3 honey, and a kick of caffeine. The collagen promotes joint soft tissue, hair, and skin health. So the stuff is literally going to make you look better and feel better too. Go to BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you will get 20% off your next order of BuiltGo. Again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Segment two of the Locked On Bucks podcast coming up. Back now for this crossover Thursday, David Harrison of the Locked On Bucks podcast on Twitter at dharrison82, joined by Aaron Freeman of the Locked On Falcons podcast at Falcfans on Twitter. Make sure you guys come back at the end of the week as James Yarko and I will reunite for our final look at this matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. We'll use some of what Aaron is telling us to make our decisions on bold predictions. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? We're also going to give our game plans offensively and defensively for the Buccaneers to come out of Atlanta with a much-needed ninth win of the season, all but secure their seed for the playoffs. That, again, will be coming up on Friday. But here now to continue our crossover Thursday conversations, bring back in Aaron Freeman of the Locked On Falcons podcast. Now, when looking at this Bucks defense that's been performing pretty well this year, and you go back to the Falcons-Bucks matchups, uh, from last year, and we saw in both of those games, the Bucks front really dominate the Falcons offensive line. I think that's going to be a key matchup for this weekend's matchup. But I think one of the things that stood out to me, particularly in that first game against the Falcons last year, was how well the Bucks secondary played in keeping weapons like Julio Jones in check. You had Carlton Davis, I thought, had one of his better games last year going up against Julio Jones. You saw Jamel Dean going up against Calvin Ridley and and sort of frustrating him as well in that matchup. Obviously, you just talked about Dean's uh, status and and sort of will pay attention to whether or not he'll be a go this weekend. But I'm curious from your eyes, how has this Bucks secondary developed in your eyes? I know when we did the offseason crossovers, you know, at least one of my questions was, could this Bucks secondary pick up where they left off at the end of the season when they were playing so well? And do you feel confident that they'll be able to sort of answer the bell for the potential matchup challenges uh, that th- they are potentially going to face against these Falcons weapons this weekend? 
Uh, I feel confident they can do enough to allow the Buccaneers to win uh, a game against the Atlanta Falcons and weapons they have on offense. As far as their progress, I think that's that's something that a lot of people, uh, you know, we talk a lot on Locked on Bucks about uh, expectation management. I think a lot of people came into this season thinking, man, the way the Buccaneers defense finished last year, returning all 11 starters, even though one of those starters is now a backup in theory, if one of your starters is still on the team, but now as a backup, you should get better, right? And that's what a lot of people were kind of expecting is they would kind of come into the season kind of at or maybe a little bit lower than they were at the end of last year just because of the layoff and the, and the break in play and all that stuff. And then the lack of training camp, okay, maybe there's a little bit more of a, de- a decline in, in performance at the beginning of the year, but then eventually they would not only catch up but then exceed their performance from last year. I think what we've really seen, though, this year is that the defense has caught up to where they were at the end of last year, and that's where they've kind of stayed. And from an expectation standpoint, it's a little bit disappointing because a lot of people wanted to see this defense specifically take that next step to become one of the dominant units in the National Football League. And they've been good, solid, you know, solid equals average in NFL speak. So they've been right there, kind of where you need them to be to win games. And that's okay. Um, it's not what was expected or what was hoped for, but it's okay. And I think a lot of that has to do with the injury to Vita Vey. I think if Vita Vey is healthy through this point in the season, uh, these guys get a little bit more comfortable in their roles. Todd Bowles gets to stay with some of the creative stuff we saw before Vita Vea got injured. Less zone, less off coverage, more aggressive uh, defensive play calling, more press man coverage that Buccaneers fans love to see going back to the heyday of the Buccaneers defense. I think all of that kind of plays hand in hand. But I still feel like, especially if Jamel Dean comes back, I think Carlton Davis going up against Julio Jones primarily is a good matchup for the Buccaneers uh, if Julio comes back, which we'll get to that here in a minute. But if Julio's on the field, I think CD3 right now in Julio's current condition uh, is a really good matchup for him. Uh, Calvin Ridley, Jamel Dean, like you kind of mentioned, you know, and Antoine Winfield Jr. has been has been good to make plays here and there and in support. Sean Murphy Bunting has been playing kind of an up and down season, more up recently than down, I think. Uh, but he's still kind of finding his overall footing. But I think they match up well as is. Having Jamel Dean back would help greatly. But even if they don't necessarily get Jamel Dean back at 100% or at all, I think they still have enough to to hang to allow Tom Brady to do enough on offense as long as they can get going early enough to make a difference. And on that note, we will sort of end the segment talking about the Bucks and flip the script. And I'll hand the reins over to David to ask me questions about the Falcons as we continue today's crossover Thursday. Aaron, we've been talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now we're going to switch it to the Atlanta Falcons. And I got to ask you, first and foremost, we talked a lot last year about Dan Quinn, about the coaching staff, about Dirk Cutter as an offensive coordinator, about Raheem Morris and his future. Obviously, it's been a while in this season since we've been on the talk, since this is the first time these two teams are matching up. Dan Quinn has since been fired. Uh, Thomas Dimitrov has been fired. So you've got a whole lot of stuff going on there. Common theory usually says that the coaching staff, at least the most part of the, of the remaining coaching staff, is probably gone at the end of the year. We talked a little bit off air about this. I don't think Dirk Cutter's future is as a head coach with the Atlanta Falcons. I think that ship has already sailed. But Raheem Morris, he's, he's a younger guy still. He's got some head coaching experience. He's been a head coach, been successful as a head coach, and failed as a head coach. So you kind of think some of those lessons might come into play. And then you have to look at the Falcons team and still say that while they're still struggling in certain aspects, especially on offense, this is a team that's still playing and they're, and they're not giving up. They're not kind of throwing the towel in as a lot of teams kind of would in their situation. So you have to give them a little bit of props for that. And maybe some of that comes from the coaching staff. If the season were to end today, how would you feel about a Raheem Morris hiring from going from that tentative or a temporary head coach to the full-time head coach? And if you don't like that idea right now, let's say the Falcons go three, and zero 
to run the table at the end of the season. And I know a lot of Falcons fans would not like that because obviously it's going to kill your draft stock. But if the Falcons were able to pull it, pull it together, the players come through for their head coach, kind of take on his youthful energy and, and, and excitement, put three wins together at the end of the season. Do you feel comfortable with Raheem coming back if that's the case? Because we've seen this Falcons franchise as recent as honestly this year fall in love with late season success, bleed into the next season and they get disappointed again. Yeah, I mean, David, that's a great question there, you know, and it's funny because last year around this time you were asking me, is Dan Quinn going to get fired? And I was like, yeah, he definitely will. And then they managed to retain him. (laughs) Um, You know, the stance I have thought all along was that the Falcons needed to beat the Saints at least one time to really give Raheem Morris a shot, Um, similar to the dynamic that you're referring to from last year where you know, I've had people come on the show and and basically tell me point blank that the Falcons beating the Saints last year and beating the 49ers last year in the second half of the season as sort of these signature wins against two of the premier teams in the NFC. Of course, the 49ers went on to uh, go to the Super Bowl and nearly won it, um, you know, was it sort of the signifier for owner Arthur Blank that say this Falcon team is better than what their record indicated and they're capable of competing with the best teams. And I think because the Falcons have already been down that path, I don't necessarily know if they're going to fall into that trap again, especially coming off of losses twice to the Bucks. uh, I'm, I'm sorry, losses twice to the Saints with a backup in Taysom Hill. And we saw a Philadelphia team sort of expose Taysom Hill that the Falcons defense really couldn't, which is the purview of Raheem Morris. We saw the Chargers, a struggling Chargers team, even though they have a rookie phenom in Justin Herbert, really in that game plan last week, the the Chargers really sort of did their best to hide Herbert and really leaned on a dink and dunk short passing game and their running game to win the game. And uh, while Herbert was somewhat efficient. It was a lot of four, five, six yard passes. And even then the Chargers managed to win that game. So even should the Falcons somehow manage to, to beat teams like Tampa Bay twice, as well as the defending Super Bowl champions in the Kansas city chiefs, which I think would require them to elevate their play to such a significant degree that we just really haven't seen from this team in recent weeks, even despite beating the Raiders a couple of weeks ago, 43 to six, where their defense really played outstanding, but their offense was kind of average despite putting up a 40 burger in that game. Even in that scenario, because the Falcons have already been down that path, thinking that late season success was an indicator that they would be able to carry that over into the following year, even in a scenario where the Falcons would come up with three improbable wins down the stretch, I think the Falcons would decide to move on from Raheem Morris. I think his opportunity to win that coaching job really fizzled out over the last couple of games in which they lost to the Saints and uh, Chargers. One more segment to go, and I will continue to ask Aaron Freeman, the host of the Locked On Falcons podcast, about those very land of Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be visiting this weekend. And I'm going to do so thanks to Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi, made for football watching. Segment three, crossover Thursday, Locked on Bucks, Locked on Falcons coming up. 
We're going to continue our conversation here about the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up for week 15 of the 2020 NFL season. Can you believe we're already in week 15, guys? But first, I want to talk to you real quick about a new show on the Locked On Podcast Network, and that is Locked On Bets. I'm incredibly excited about this. Your boy Q, who you heard on our crossover episode with the Las Vegas Raiders, the host of the Locked On Las Vegas Raiders podcast, is hosting a new show on the Locked On Podcast Network all about betting, betting on the NFL Football itself, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whoever. It doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. The first episode of Locked On Bets dropped on Wednesday. I'm already a subscriber. I've already listened to it. I love it. I'm going to use it and I'm going to use it fruitfully, hopefully. So I highly recommend you guys do so as well. But right now, let's continue the conversation between myself and Aaron Freeman, the host of the Locked On Falcons podcast for this crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. I think that Raheem Morris has a promising future. He's got a lot of career ahead of him. And I, I think that head coaching might still be in his his future someday. Um, I just I have a feeling that you know the NFL is going to see him as a guy who still needs a little bit more experience. I think he's probably going to get relegated to a coordinator position, uh, maybe even go back to a position coach position for a little while somewhere else in somebody else's staff before he gets another crack at running his own team. Um, but you know, we again we talked off air. Both of us are very very fond of Raheem Morris as, as far as we know him, and um, of course he's always good for a good quote as well, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit more still about the future of the Atlanta Falcons. And I've been listening to your show, and and for any Bucks fans who haven't, uh, it's a great show. And the Atlanta Falcons are one of your main rivals, so you definitely should be tapped into that as much as you can. So if you've got time to fit the illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, please go ahead and do so. That's my my own personal uh, advertisement, I suppose, for Aaron's show. I, I think it's a really good, well-put-together program, Aaron. I know that you're not completely sold on Matt Ryan's future, uh, just in general, especially with the Atlanta Falcons. I look at that $49 million dead cap tag on Matt Ryan, though, and that's something that a lot of people have talked about. Uh, beating Brady twice, beating Mahomes once, any of those things is going to be a tall task for any team, but especially a team that's near the bottom of the standings, near the bottom of the NFC South, specifically 4-9 and nine right now coming into the season. If the Falcons, let's say they lose out, let's flip the script on this and say they lose out. Let's say they end up with four wins, uh, 12 losses, and they're picking somewhere in, in the top five, six range. Are they a viable candidate for a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance or a quarterback that's going to make a, or, or an early or a late winner push that they that we always see? It's it's a difficult question, Dave. I can't give you a definitive answer because so much depends on variables that right now sitting here today are, are, are somewhat unknown. You, you sort of try to answer one of them, which is how this team finishes. And, you know, a lot will depend on how Matt Ryan has performed in those three games coming up. And one of the things we talked quite a bit about on Lockdown Falcons, and I appreciate the the plug there, um, is, you know, how much Matt Ryan has struggled this season in particular when Julio Jones has been out of the lineup. And that, that's been a trend of the dirt cutter offense, at least here in Atlanta. Maybe you can speak to it with uh, his time in Tampa Bay and, and how that offense worked when, say, a Mike Evans was not necessarily in the lineup or performing well. But, you know, going back to Dirk Cutter's first tenure here in Atlanta, when Julio Jones wasn't out there doing Julio Jones things, for the most part, the Falcons have had a fairly middling offense. And that has been especially problematic this season, even despite the performances of Calvin Ridley. It's kind of been a one man show and it's made the Falcons offense very inefficient in that regard. And one of the numbers I've potentially uh, talked quite a bit about in recent weeks is that when you look at Matt Ryan's passer rating in the games where Julio Jones has been 
uh, dealing with that nagging hamstring injury, his passer rating drops from 102 to like 67. And, you know, 67 makes him one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. It basically made him Carson Wentz. And that 102 is basically, you know, him being Drew Brees or, or Tom Brady or something like that. And that's really the difference in this Falcons offense. So if the Falcons can't get Julio Jones back or they can't break that trend over the next three weeks, you're going to potentially see Matt Ryan struggle down the stretch. And that's going to raise a lot more questions about his future uh, going into the offseason than necessarily for most of this year I've had. I, I think in general, to answer your question, I think the expectation for me is that there's a high probability of the Falcons because of the, the way that Matt Ryan's contract is that they will keep him. But the question is going to be really, I think, and more likely uh, than not, is do they pull the trigger on a quarterback in the top part of the draft? And that's really what you're asking. And I think a lot of that depends on where they're picking in the draft. I think the higher they pick, the higher that probability is just because they will be in a position where one of those quarterbacks, you know, I'm not necessarily convinced that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields because mm -hmm. I expect those teams to go, those two guys to go one and two in this draft to the Jets and Jaguars. Um, and so I think the price of trying to trade up to get one of those guys is going to be a little too rich for the Falcons. But I think kind of the perfect scenario for the Falcons is to get maybe that third or fourth quarterback in this draft, whether that's a Trey Lance from North Dakota State, whether that's a Zach Wilson from BYU, who sort of are the consensus three and four guys is to draft one of those guys with their top pick and have him sit behind Matt Ryan for a year or two. Uh, I think that's really the ideal scenario that the Falcons potentially would like to come away with. And that would sort of be the best of both worlds. You keep Matt Ryan. You don't have to necessarily take that huge cap hit from getting rid of him uh, in terms of dead money. You can rework his contract, which would make him much more palatable for at least another year or two. And then you already have your quarterback in the wings, waiting in the wings. And, and that guy can sit for at least a year, if not two, uh, similar to what we've seen with guys like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Philip Rivers, who sat at the uh, initial part of their NFL careers. And I think that's sort of the ideal way that the Falcons would like to handle it. But because you have a regime change, new coach, new general manager potentially coming in, you know, it's hard to sort of predict what those people will come into the building thinking about not only Matt Ryan, not only about this quarterback group. So it's a lot of things up in the air, but I think the safest bets sitting here today are that the Falcons will find a way to keep Matt Ryan but potentially try to pull the trigger on one of those top quarterbacks at the top of the draft. But I think a lot of that depends on where they're picking in the draft, because if they're picking like seventh or eighth, that gives an opportunity for some teams picking after them like New England, like San Francisco, like Chicago, among others to potentially leapfrog them and go get the quarterback that they're hoping to get. And that would leave the Falcons having to go in another direction. So these are sort of variables that are you know sitting here today. It's, it's tough to predict. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, this this year's quarterback class is shaping up to be one of the better ones in a long time from what a lot of people are saying. Um, and that's that's saying something considering we just had Joe Burrow to a tongue by low Justin Herbert come out and then uh, Jalen Hurts is doing what he's doing, at least for one game with the Philadelphia Eagles. So if they're if this next class is going to be better than that one, then that's 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 pretty impressive. Um, so not a bad idea for any team that has maybe an aging quarterback uh, or even a struggling quarterback to look at drafting one in, in the first couple of rounds if they have the possibility. And I'm sure Buccaneers fans are going to be talking about the potential of drafting a quarterback on day one or two themselves as Tom Brady gets into his second year as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
uh, quarterback. But before all that, Aaron, of course, we got to get to this game. And now I want to switch to this game, and we got to talk about the, the the guy we've already touched on a little bit, and that's Julio Jones. Do you expect him to be on the field? Because I almost wonder a little bit is it's it's obviously there's a concern there with the hamstring with a guy like Julio Jones, but at the same time, you're four and nine. And Julio doesn't have a lot of a lot of tread left on the tires. He doesn't have a lot of routes left in him for your franchise, relatively speaking. And I know I'm like this, and a lot of NFL people aren't like this. But I'm almost kind of like put him on the shelf. We'll come back in 2021, get healthy, and we'll have a better chance to put this thing together. But obviously, Raheem Morris, I mean, he's not playing for 2021 right now because, as we've already talked about, he can't promise himself, let alone anybody else on the coach staff, they're going to be there. So you know, and you know, Julio's not going to sit out voluntarily. So what do you, what do we expect to happen with Julio Jones this Sunday? Yeah, I think from yeah, I think you you nailed it, David, with sort of that dynamic of the coaching staff wanting Julio to play because they know how important he is to their success. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Julio going to be pushing for time to play. But I, I think my guess is, and again, it's early in the week, and we'll see how this week develops. But based off of typically the way that the Falcons have treated Julio, when they're very optimistic early in the week it makes it seem like Julio's going to play that weekend. And when they're a little bit more conservative, a little bit more timid and tentative about saying, oh, Julio's definitely going to be out there, that's usually an indicator that he's not going to play. So my expectation right now for the Falcons is that they're going to sit Julio for another week and try to get him back against the Chiefs or try to get him back in week 17 because I, I don't see them putting Julio on the shelf. And I, I, I certainly don't see Julio putting himself on the shelf. He's going to want to come out and finish this season as strong as possible, given that he's the competitor that he is and that has made him into the player that he is. So. Right now, my expectation is that we will not see Julio this week against the Bucs, and potentially that will allow the Falcons to give him the rest that he needs that he could come back in Week 16 or Week 17. Yeah, that Week 17 game could be huge. I mean, the Buccaneers can certainly move a lot closer to clinching a spot with a win this weekend, uh, but as Carmen Vitale, staff writer, Buccaneers.com, shared on Twitter earlier on Wednesday, they actually can't clinch unless the Vikings and Bears tie, which is an interesting interesting thing. Not all the realm of possibility, I suppose. Um, but you talked about Mike Evans and Dirk Cutter and Dirk Cutter. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about him on our shows individually and then on crossovers before. I'm not going to go too deep into it because Bucks fans already know what it is. I'm sure Falcons fans are, are well aware as well. Um, he's, he's very much a plan A guy and there's really no plan B. Like plan A is going to work or we're going to yell at players until plan A works. And that's really not going to find a lot of success as we've all seen, unfortunately. Uh, but during Dirk Cutter's tenure in Tampa, I mean, Mike Evans only missed uh, two games during Dirk Cutter's entire time with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first two years in a Dirk Cutter offense are the two years that Mike Evans had his highest target rates in his career. So, I mean, that just kind of shows you right there. Plan A, get the ball to Mike Evans, and that's basically what we're going to do until we win or lose no matter what happens. Um, but so fortunately for Dirk, he had Mike, unlike Julio, who hasn't been able to play, go as much this year for him. Uh, but either way, there's some coaching flaws there. Speaking of Mike Evans, though, he's going to be on the field, and you guys have a very young, very talented cornerback by the name of A.J. Terrell, and I've heard you talking about him on your show as well. For Buccaneers fans who haven't heard about it, uh, the, the Falcons came out, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if 100% of the time, but they had him come out against the Saints basically shadowing Michael Thomas. Uh, and, and from your show, actually, Glean, they had him shadowing Keenan Allen, but then kind of went away from that because it wasn't working. Do you think they try to go back to that with Mike Evans against A.J. Terrell? Because uh, I'll tell you, I think Mike would be very, very happy to see a rookie cornerback lining up on the other side of him. But then, of course, you also have to worry about Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. I mean, the weapons that they can kill you with go on for days, as everybody knows. What do you think the, the, the Falcons are going to do defensively, speaking of Raheem Morris's wheelhouse, to try to stop these weapons and force Tom Brady into making hard decisions? 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough matchup for the Falcons corners. Uh, as you mentioned, they tried to have A.J. Terrell uh, be a shadow corner for Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen these last two weeks, and it didn't really work out. Terrell flashed ability, but in terms of keeping those guys in check, you know, I think the completion rate on targets uh, to those guys with A.J. Terrell in coverage was like something like 75, 80 percent, and that's just not good enough. For a shadow corner, typically you want that to be closer to 50, you know, below 60 percent. And so I I don't know if the Falcons going to really do that, given the bevy of weapons that the Bucs have. You know, you have Chris Godwin as their slot uh, receiver. The Falcons purposefully tried to manage their game plan to prevent their main slot corner in Isaiah Oliver, who's had an up and down career. He's been a little bit more up this season, but they've been trying to kind of mask his deficiencies because he tends to struggle against speed. And so you wonder against some of the receivers that the Bucs are going to throw at them. If he's a bad matchup, you know, what's interesting is that Darquez Denard exited the game very late in the chargers game. And we haven't really heard an update on why that was, uh, whether it was injury related or whether it was related to something else. And, and that kind of led to the chargers getting that big play late to set up the game winning field goal because Oliver wound up, being moved to the outside uh, because they wanted to avoid him going up against Keenan Allen. So I can't really imagine the Falcons wanting Isaiah Oliver on Chris Godwin this week uh, for some of the same reasons why they didn't want Oliver on Keenan Allen last week. So I think more than likely the Falcons are just going to play it conservative and just say, AJ Terrell, you're going to be our left corner. Um, Darquest Denard, assuming that he's healthy and, and ready to go this week, you're going to be our right corner. And then we will decide between Isaiah Oliver and Bleedy Ray Wilson, who will be our nickel corner. I think Bleedy Ray Wilson showed some uh, ability last week, getting an interception late to potentially set up uh, a Falcons win. Uh, unfortunately, Matt Ryan threw that opportunity away mm-hmm. with an interception of his own, his third of the day. But I, 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 I just think really no matter how the Falcons plan it, there are going to be mismatches and I just don't know if there's any way that the Falcons can try to move AJ Terrell in one particular matchup to say like, this is going to work for us because I just think the bucks are going to have potentially the advantage, you know, at all three positions, whether it's Mike Evans, whether it's Chris Godwin, whether it's Scotty Miller, whether it's Antonio Brown, and they're just, the Falcons are just going to have to deal with it and just hope that their guys are, are able to, as we Falcons say, rise up and, and, and take care of business. Guys, that's going to wrap up our crossover Thursday conversation. I am David Harrison, Locked On Bucks podcast. He's been Aaron Freeman, Locked On Falcons. If you're a Bucks fan, stick around. We've got some final words for you before we get out of here. And I'm sure Falcons fans, Aaron is going to have some things to drop for you before you leave today's program as well. Come back tomorrow on Friday. James Jarko and I will be back to finalize our thoughts about this matchup. Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Georgia to face the Atlanta Falcons. First time these two NFC South Division rivals are going to meet in 2020. Both teams going in very different directions. Both teams also need to figure out what their future at quarterback is going to look like. But one of those teams needs to address that situation a little bit earlier than the other one does. Of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking to prepare for playoff football in January. Winning this game this weekend would go a long way to helping them secure their ticket to do so. And on Friday, James Jarko and I are going to drop our game plans and tell you guys exactly how we think the Buccaneers could attack the Atlanta Falcons offense and defense to secure said win. Then we'll make some bold predictions, some score predictions, and then we'll keep those on file so we can come back on Monday after the game and find out where we were wrong, where we were right. So until we talk again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, wash your hands, and thank you so much for joining me right here at Locked.